For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. You are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm joined this week by two truly funny guests. I'm going to play a game with them. And then later, we're going to make a hard turn and break down one of my favorite scenes of television, maybe ever. It's this scene from the finale of The Good Place. And it's very existential and deep and moving, and it probably is going to make you cry. Anywho, we talked to the writer of the scene and that show. He'll tell us how it all came together a little bit later. It's going to tug at your heartstrings. But before that, we're going to laugh with the game with two incredibly, insanely funny people who I'm so happy to have on the show this week. Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos. Hi, hi, hi. I see the applause already. You're clapping for yourself. Round of applause. Round of applause. In a circle because it's <laughs> round. Yeah. So happy to have you both here. Um, y'all might know Michelle from her Netflix comedy specials, her hosting roles on Netflix's The Circle and Barbecue Showdown. And you might also know Jordan from his stand-up comedy and his writing and his acting on a bunch of TV shows, too many to name. But you know them both together as the hosts of a podcast called Adulting. Yes! If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. Air horn sound added in post, Janae. (laughs) Um, Talk about the podcast. What's it about? I know what it's about, but our listeners don't. Oh, goodness, Jordan. How do we even... Every time somebody asks, it's just like... It's sort of like when you start comedy, people are like, what's your comedy? It's like, funny. Uh, It's so hard talking about yourself. But I would describe it as... um, Group therapy that is hilarious. The Thanksgiving dinner that you always want to go back to. And um, just um, education through love, sassy of the sassiest time. Yeah. I would only add to that that sometimes it takes almost like a revival-like quality where people like, it's like, it it gets, spirits get lifted. Michelle Michelle can pop off about things that are, that are on her mind. And then sometimes it'll be like a goofy run on something super funny. So it's like, wait, let's not act like you don't be popping off. Like, uh, mine is mine's get... more like, but yours is more. I always feel like you're more like Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Like something like that. Like that's you. You're like this is how people need to be treated. This is how masses wow. of groups wow. of people need okay. to I I always say government Beyonce, but I'll take that too. <laughs> I'll take it, too. Anywho, the podcast. Besides just loving the two of you on it, I do love some of the names of the episodes. Uh, There's one episode called Dear Emily Post, What's the Appropriate Reaction to a Queef? There's another (laughs) called Are Boots and Shorts an Acceptable Combo? Uh, Or Is It Inappropriate to Wear a Cutish Outfit to a Funeral? 
I just, it's yeah. Great. These are all things that are on people's minds. This is a safe space. You know, once in a blue, when a question feels like I, I need to see your face to really understand how to answer this, we'll, you know, turn the house lights on and um, make that person get up. You know, you know, we're never going to take a picture of them and like post it, but sometimes, you know, the best way to answer a question is to look at someone's face. And so we, we have <laughs> yeah. great just guests. Just keep doing that. Just stare them in the eyes and be like, what okay. the hell? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just need an eye fuckery. That's what therapy is for. <laughs> Speaking of, you have one episode titled, What Do You Do If You Want to Have Sex With Your Therapist? Mm-hmm. Truth. Now, now, here's the deal. Those <laughs> questions don't come from us, okay? Those come yes. from our our audience. But, like, they are – sometimes it's just, like, you're, you're turning over so many rocks, you find a diamond like that. And a diamond? And it's, oh like, it's crazy. I, I mean, people, like, the molecules in the room shifted. I think people could really relate to it. I think it, at one point or another, people have, like, been super, super attracted to their – therapist because they're so or a doctor yeah. in general like someone that you have to see in a professional setting that has to you know if not touch you touch your heart you know what i mean so it's like <laughs> how do you well, do but it it raises the question for me have you ever gone on zocdoc and then looked at people's pictures and been like yeah i could all get the time <laughs> that's what i go to zocdoc for it is wow. it is the tinder the hinge what? of but any doctor well, here's the thing about at least in southern california where i am all the SoCal therapists have the best photo retouched headshots there can <laughs> Every, possibly be. But that be. is just that is just California. <laughs> I will say there's one episode, there's one episode title where I'm like, oh, I might get in trouble if I talk about this with them. Ooh. Y'all have an episode called How Often Should I Wash My Jeans Though? Mm. I'm one of those never wash your jeans people. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. But they look great. They look great. Okay. They look great. But are you, like, where are you sitting? Are you sitting in public and then sitting on your couch and then laying down on your couch with your face (laughs) to the the cushion without the... Ever washing your jeans? These are just follow-up questions I have to know okay. as a friend. That For never one, met. I don't wear jeans in the house. Once I am home, I'm in the comfy Nike sweatshorts mm. or Lululemon joggers for oh, lounge time. Okay, girl. Okay, so the girl. jeans are just for outdoors. <laughs> and it. I will spot clean my jeans. I can spray them down with white vinegar if they smell a little weird. Mm. I'll put them in the freezer sometimes. They say that kills the bacteria. Wow. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to put my black Levi's in a wash and dry uh, cycle. Uh, okay. But not even just like a 20-minute delicate cold and air no, dry? No, nah, baby, no. Oh this my has been God. my wow. life for the last decade plus. Is this our... Is this <gasps> De- our f- and yeah. how long? How how long? What's the longest pair? Uh, how The longest you've ever had a pair of jeans? All of them last at least six months. Some go a year. Okay. Um, <laughs> your I, face. I feel your like, face. I feel like you, 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 have, you have your reasons. <laughs> But uh, I feel like, listen, I understand a dark jean, you don't want to lose the dye, yeah. right? You don't want that, yeah. lose that first wash. Is that what it is? Yes. How black are we talking? How black do you want your jeans? As black as Black History Month. It's February. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you really just set him up. And I loved it. I love it. Do you remember when um, COVID first entered um, the world and we were just like, wiping down fruit and oh boxes God. and shit. Sure. Yeah. Like we were washing stuff more than we, you were washing your jeans. That's all I want to say. <laughs> well, listeners, you can check out the amazing podcast Adulting from Michelle and Jordan wherever you get your podcast. <gasps> we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, finally, as promised, that little game. Stay with us. Uh, how I could forgot I not? to have y'all clap. How could I not? I we'll know. Clap, it's so great. 
no, 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 no. Like, clap to sync the audio. Sorry. In the beginning. Okay. <laughs>
Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola Davis, my woman cane. Angela Bassett did the thing. Viola Davis, my woman cane. Blanche Kate, you're a genius. Jamie Lee, you are all of us. It's a, a little uh, REM. It's the end of the world as we know it, and you're just like, "This is a lot." Can I, can I just say? Can I just say on her behalf? When you have writers writing for you that don't know you, and they're like, "This is your thing, right?" We know you can do it. They are going to lean into what they think you could do the best, and that's also like her comfort zone too, right? I think I performed in England a bunch, and that is a tough crowd without Colin Quinn. Uh, ooh, deep oh, cut really? Comedy Central reference. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is. They, they're a very tough crowd. And so, you know, what they yeah. like is dry humor. Like they would prefer you just to stand still, not be happy, not rhyme stuff, and be very sarcastic. And so the fact that she's going mm-hmm. there with her brown titty magic, um, trying to do something <laughs> different, you know, that's the thing I appreciated. Like, you know, when you do something like that in a room that big, you got to really hit the cardio. And yeah, she did the work. I'm almost more upset with her writers. But I also think this is the long tail of the Lin-Manuel Miranda industrial complex. Ooh, I wasn't ready! <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, oh my, I can't be a part Where of this podcast. What is happening West? right now? This is. I feel. I feel oh, like I'm incriminating my, myself. My like, like, fell. Give me a second. <laughs> Hot the whole what like hot sing take? song rap, sing song rap, sing song rap. Yes, that is that okay. is that is right from him, mm, and we are still yes. living in that world. Mm, and like listen. when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is the Lin Manuel of it all. Mm-hmm. We have the cut now. You, know you, you gotta it. hear the cut. You gotta hear can't the cut. Wait, can't wait. Can't wait. Maya, the teamwork's grand. Good luck to you, Katie Brand. Electric Maladay, Marie, girl, what a slave. Sandy Powell without fellowship. That's Hamilton energy. That's Hamilton energy. Definitely Hamilton energy. Yeah. Michelle, you're into it. Jordan, hearing that now, are you into it or not? I am semi into it spiritually because I appreciate her doing her thing like that. But um, but the execution, it's the hard. execution, which what you told me, okay, but the execution, maybe not because she sounds breathless. And so that's <laughs> that's why I said you got to. They had her running up and down that stage and singing and dancing. It was a lot of work for her to pull off to do. Yeah, I will say, like, it's really hard to do an opening number, but she was a good sport about it. But what's funny is, after this woman of color hosts the show, the breakaway line from her monologue is about Angela Bassett and Viola Davis. The BAFTAs conclude. And all of the winners were white. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's also them being like, we gave you some seasoning. And it's like, okay. okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Please. Uh, and I might have y'all Google some images to supplement this conversation. But first, are y'all into or not into Disneyland engagements? Ugh. Proposals? Oh, oh my God. What? What's the matter with that? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not all the way into it, but I'm not mad at it. Is there a not mad at it? <laughs> oh, so, so wishy-washy. <laughs> That's a not mad at it So wishy Michelle, you have thoughts. You're not into this. That's a fuck no. What? Why? What? Why what? not? That's a fuck no for me. I'm sorry. Like, I know that you're into it, but you're also an adult. Yes. And, okay. you know, I... And I know people have like their memories. It sort of like 
feels like a weird fetish to me. Um, I think you guys can. I think you guys can make a new memory. Okay, so we know where you stand, Jordan. What about you, Michelle? Obviously, on the fence about it. Me into it because <laughs> because you know what? No one ever defends basic people. Okay, and some people are just <laughs> basic, basic people defend themselves. Basic, basic people, people defend themselves. Thank you. Not really. Not really. Not not as much as they they think they do. And I think sometimes. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be on that wall. Not everybody is going to be on the Pont de Neuf in Paris, right? Like, if they were, then it wouldn't be clear for you to, you know, propose uh, to your person. All right, so- Rosetta Stone. Thank you so much for dropping the français. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, let me tell you why I even bring up uh, Disney and Disney adults and Disney engagements and proposals. I bring it up because Rebel Wilson recently got engaged at Disneyland uh. to her partner. Uh, but she had an Instagram post about it where she and her partner were wearing like matching outfits. She thanked Bob Iger. She thanked at Disney weddings. She thanked Tiffany for the ring. And the images... I'm like, I wanted to support it, but the matching sweatshirts in front of the Sleeping Beauty exhibit. Google it. Google Rebel no, Wilson engaged. No, don't want to. I'd rather... Go- <laughs> I would rather Google Don Lemon telling me that a woman has her like a prime at 25 <laughs> than that image. Good for Rebel for finding love. She's a hard worker. She's very talented. Let's just put it out there, okay? But yes, that is Rebel. a whole no. Not even at 16. Like, no. This is not. I, I want to make y'all look at the image. I though. already saw the image and it's burned on my brain forever. <laughs> like, and it's going to be one of the last things I see before I die. But I do. I will say <laughs> that I, I was like, wow, they found love in a hopeless place. And wow. that they wow. do that. They're on that wall. They're on that wall. So you don't have to be. You see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> anything you do is going to be cooler than that. Anything okay. you do. If y'all had to get engaged or married or whatever at Disney, what part of Disney would it happen at? Great question. Michelle, go ahead. What you got? No. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. Hall, hall of the Presidents. No. Hall of no. the Presidents. No. Not Hall of the Presidents. Yes. <laughs> Not Hall of the Presidents. <laughs> Oh my God! What if like what if my husband and I got married on one of the stages of "It's a Small World After All," and then the little boats would just pass by and people would just be missing us saying "I do." They're like, "We're coming back around." Oh, see, I mean, see, somebody didn't want to do it, and now they're into it. All right, I love that, Michelle. I love that. For Not you. into it, just saying. What if? <laughs> anywho, anywho, I think I know where y'all stand on this too. Uh, time for our third question. I love it so. It's a very simple question. Yes, ma'am. Are we into or not into perms? Perms? Like for your hair. Okay. Well, this is the great racial oh. line. This is the great racial line, right? The great racial divide. You're talking about a black person perm? A, a, a white person perm. So I say this because Vogue just had an article asking if perms are back. Yeah. Because Katie Holmes just got a perm. The girlies <laughs> are into perms now. Are they back? Do we support? <laughs> Michelle, I see you just shaking your head. I support yeah. whatever skinny white girls want to do with their fucking hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good for you. Oh, I love a, I, oh, yeah, I love a curly bang. You don't bang. like that your, your hair is as straight as your booty? Is that the only place you're going to have a little dent? Shots fired! Sure. Sure, you want to know what it's like? You want to talk to me about curly curly hair and how hard it is to manage? Sure. 
Are you also going to get engaged in Disneyland? Like, uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're I, not, you are, you're co- yes into it or not into I, it? I'm, I'm into, I'm into, listen, uh, this is what I'm into. I'm into a curly bang. I like, I like curly bangs. I think that's cute. Um, curly bangs are really hard to pull off. I, well, if you can do it. Then I, then I'm into it. So, but when I was, a, I grew up. I grew up like um, when I was a kid. The first images I saw of women uh, were like women with curls, and I remember that, thinking that was so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, I mean, why not? All right, that's your verdict, Michelle. I think I know how you feel, but to confirm, no, you know what? I, what I'm gonna say is, it's your body. You do what you want to do with your body. I do what I want to do with my body. And if it's something like the government can't tell us if we can or cannot do it, you mm. might as well fuck it well because the government's telling us what we can and cannot do with all our fucking holes. So, do you, bitch, before that shit's illegal? Do, do it before it's illegal. All right, we have reached the end of the game. A very enjoyable rendition of this game. I got to figure out who won. We're going to go back to the options. Um, <laughs> y'all were both kind of into. All I want is a Angela BAFTA ba- after this. I don't want, I don't want to win. <laughs> All I want uh, is a BAFTA. Sorry bath. to inform you that the BAFTAs this year only go to white people. I'm sorry. Oh, that's why I want it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that Michelle and I were really aligned on complete and total opposition to Disneyland <laughs> engagements and proposals, I'm going to give this crown to Michelle. Take it. Oh my God. I've never won anything in my life. This is huge. Speech. Speech. This is so huge. Speech. Um, I want to thank all the white people that won a BAFTA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to take some time and thank both of my guests for this truly enjoyable game this week. Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos. They are so great. Watch them on all the places and check out their podcast called Adulting. And I also want to thank for this entire segment and the energy to power me throughout the week. I want to thank Angela Bassett for doing the thing and Viola Davis for being my woman king. Amen. Thank you both again. This was delightful. And listeners, before we go to break, if you like this show and want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, and I'm serious about this, share with your friends. Tell your friends you like the show and then tell them to listen to it too. That works the best and every little bit helps. All right. Thank y'all. That's right, bitch. You better. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. 
This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? We all have that one scene from that one show or that one movie. The scene that stays with you. The scene you think about over and over again. Maybe it's something funny. Maybe it's sad. But whatever the case, you just keep coming back to it. Sometimes those scenes, they help us make sense of our own lives. At least a little bit. So, right now, one of those scenes. We're going to bring you the story behind what I think is the best scene from the TV show, The Good Place. We're going to hear from the person who created this scene, and then somebody who needed it to play out in real life. Hi, everybody. You know, I'm not especially religious, and neither was Courtney to some extent. Um, I think for as much as we went to private school, at some point it was just too many rules and regulations. And, and so in a moment like this, especially with such a limited amount of time in, in reality to think about what she would have wanted or how I'm personally processing this, I didn't really have a good footing, and so I sort of had to take my my inspirations from you know, somewhere different than just a Bible verse or the Quran or you know or whatever they have in other religions. I, I apologize, but this has gotten me through the last few days. Picture a wave in the ocean. You can see it, measure it, its height, the way that the light refracts when it passes through. And it's there and you can see it. You know what it is. It's a wave. And then it crashes on and the shore. And then it crashes on the shore. And it's gone. But the water is still there. The wave was just a, a different way for the water to be for a little while. You know, when I read that analogy for death, um, I thought it was the most sort of touching and beautiful way you could possibly think about the subject. It's a subject that haunts all of us all the time. We're confronted with it all the time. The idea of thinking of death as the normal part and of life as the sort of abnormal part, the sort of momentary like, oh, we came out of nothing and we're here for a while and that's odd. And then we return to wherever it was that we were before. It's just such a beautiful idea. This is Michael Shore. My name is Michael Shore, and I'm a writer and producer in Los Angeles and uh, the creator of the TV show The Good Place. 
The Good Place was a show on NBC for four years uh, starring Kristen Bell, Ted Danson, Jamila Jamil, William Jackson Harper, Manny Jacinto, Darcy Carden. The basic premise was that life on Earth is a sort of video game that we don't know we're playing. Um, all of our actions are being scored based on their moral worth. And there is a good place that is reserved for the very, very elite, the highest scorers in the video game. Only the people with the very highest scores, the true cream of the crop, get to come here to the good place. What happens to everyone else, you ask? Don't worry about it. And Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, shows up in this very elite country club of the afterlife and immediately realizes that she is not supposed to be there, that there's been some kind of mistake. And she decides that she is going to try to become a good person in order to earn her place amongst these other uh, do-gooders. By the end of the first season, Eleanor and Chidi, who's played by William Jackson Harper, they realize that after they died, they went to the bad place. Throughout the run of the show, they do make it to the actual good place. But after spending enough time together in eternal paradise, they are ready to move on. Because paradise is only paradise if you can leave. And it turns out there is a way to leave, but it's forever. You can't come back. You just have to walk through a door. You don't have to go through it if you don't want to, but you can. And hopefully knowing that you don't have to be here forever will help you feel happier while you are. What will happen when we go through it? Well, we don't really know exactly. All we know is it will be peaceful and your journey will be over. You led great lives. You earned your place here. So stay here as long as you like. Use the green doors to see and do every single thing you want to see and do. And when you're ready, walk through one last door and be at peace. Does that sound good? This scene aired in the show's series finale. It's Chidi saying goodbye to Eleanor. He's made up his mind. He's ready to walk through that door into the great unknown, the wave returning to the ocean. There's one conception of death for a Buddhist. The wave returns to the ocean. Where it came from. And where it's supposed to be. Not bad, Buddhists. Not bad. <laughs> None of this is bad. I read that years before, I think, the show started. And I, when we were talking in the writer's room about this ending, this was the first thing I thought of. That became the centerpiece of the whole season, was we really just sort of built and built and built until we got to a point where one of the main characters of the show used that analogy to comfort the other one. And so comfort was really what we were going for. And what has been lovely in the time since it aired is we, all of us who worked on the show, have heard from person after person after person about the idea that that scene and that speech in particular that, that William Jackson Harper delivers has brought them comfort in a time when they were coping with the death of a loved one or a friend. 
And that is uh, the highest possible praise I think we could ever receive. Hello, my name is Ryan Sanyu from Minneapolis, Minnesota. The scene in question that I, I was so impassioned by I just remember as we're winding down and Chidi has decided that he is ready to move on and go through the gate um, just to like see the picturesque uh, view that they had and Chidi just being relatively calm and certain in his decisions. Uh, the air came out of the room when me and my wife were watching it the first time. And... That carried me over into the death of my sister. Long story short, she went into the hospital on a Monday in June of 2020, and she was gone 13 days later. And it was jarring. It was it was so unexpected, and I... <laughs> I remember, of all the things, my mind went back to Chidi's words. You can live on until you're ready to stop existing. Um, kind of gave me hope that maybe if there is some, if that's even a fraction of what the afterlife is like, that you know my sister has returned to the ocean where she's supposed to be. So, uh, knowing that this analogy, this scene was the centerpiece of the episode, I thought, you know what I need to do when I write this is I need to stare at water. So I rented a hotel room on the water here in California for like four days. And I just went by myself and I, that song that's playing is a piece of classical music called Spiegel im Spiegel, which I believe means mirror in mirror by a Finnish composer named Arvo Part. I'm gonna sound like I've lost my mind when I tell you this, but for four, three or four consecutive days, I listened to that piece of music on repeat. And I just kept listening to it. And I would go and sit on a bench and look at people surfing off of the coast of California and look at the waves crashing on the shore and just listen to that piece of music endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. It's so pure and simple and lovely. There's a thing that happens, I think, in writing, you know, in the early days of writing a show, it's all trial and error. Eventually, things, you know, hopefully start to sort of click into place and you will feel like you're not writing it. This is going to sound like a corny thing to say, but I think it's really about love. Like, I think you have to just love the characters. And if you love them and care about them and think about them and pay attention to their inner lives and believe that they are at some level real people, 
then when you have to approach these enormous moments in their lives, they kind of take over a little bit. I know this is like real deep in the weeds, sort of corny writer stuff, but you know, that feeling is rare. I've had it a couple times in my life, maybe. Um, and it is a lovely feeling. I was never good at being sad. Partly because my mom straight up told me not to be. But this is sad, man. You got a John Locke quote or a piece of Kantian wisdom you can throw at me? Those guys were more focused on rules and regulations. For spiritual stuff, you gotta turn to the East. I'll take anything you got. Hit me. In order to feel a sadness when a loved one dies, you have to have loved that person fully and completely to whatever extent you could. You it it means that your time together has mattered, that it was all that it all had value and meaning, even the sad, traumatic times, even the rough times, the the fights and the disagreements and all that sort of stuff. Not only is it not bad, it, I think it's important that we stop thinking of certain things as bad or good. I need you to do me one last favor. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to me now and leave before I wake up. The vibe that you get, you don't learn anything about morality. That was That's the point of that little tiny joke, right? She says... Do you have any John Locke quotes you can throw at me? And he says, like, no, this isn't the time for that. Like, the time for that is has passed. Now is the time when we think about other things. And so I wouldn't say that my understanding of philosophy, or, or ethics at least, changed at all with the writing of that scene, or really the whole finale, because we were sort of done with that. This The whole episode is a little bit of a coda, a little bit of a, um, a sort of postscript to the show itself. And... And it has nothing to do with morality. It's really about love and attention and caring. We are at the funeral and everybody in the room I knew, because it was COVID, it was it was a pandemic. Uh, you know, it was all my aunts and uncles and cousins and my parents and grandparents. And I, I wanted that one of the last things I said to be just that, you know, Courtney's gone, but she lives on through the stories, and that's not bad. Picture a wave in the ocean. You can see it, measure it, its height, the way that the light refracts when it passes through. And it's there, and you can see it. You know what it is. It's a wave. And then it crashes on the shore and it's gone. But the water is still there. The wave was just a different way for the water to be for a little while. That's one conception of death for a Buddhist. The wave returns to the ocean where it came from and where it's supposed to be. And so as, I, as I've tried to sort out exactly how I wanted to, to, to process all of this, I mean, I'm still young. There's time. But I think I've figured this out. And I'll refine it over the course of the rest of my life. 
Fingers crossed. Picture a person. They are born. You know them. They love, they cry, they party, and they stick their tongues out a lot in pictures in college. They're there, and you love them. And then they're gone. But the stories are still there. They were just the lens you saw all those events through for a little while. Courtney lived for 29 and a half years. But through the people in this room, she had hundreds of years of life. You can sit on that bench as long as you'd like. And whenever you're ready, you just walk through. I'm ready. Thanks to Ryan Senyo for sharing his story and audio with us. And of course, thanks to Michael Shore, creator of The Good Place. Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the editorial director of audio at New York Magazine is Hannah Rosen. We're back next Thursday with a brand new episode. Till next time, take care of yourselves. We'll talk soon. <laughs>